This is recording number 11041 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, March 31, 2013. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, It is Finished. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 4 and we're going to start reading at verse 16 and while you're turning there I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. There was a time in my life when I really wanted to be uh, a carpenter. I was really attracted to that trade and actually did for a period of time try to make my living as a carpenter. Uh, I wasn't extremely successful at that but I gave it a shot. Problem is I am the most clumsy person in the entire world and I barely made it out of my attempts to be a carpenter alive and I won't regale you with all my near death near death stories but I will tell you just two or three uh, one I was uh, uh, on, a, on a commercial building kind of like this one if you could sort of imagine this used to be just a warehouse and uh, it's separated the warehouse portion is separated used to be separated from the office section by one wall, we've made a lot of modifications to this building, but I was in a building like that. It was a big warehouse, and up in front was an office area that had dropped ceilings, if you know what that is, where there's T-bar and then there's ceiling tiles that are, that are resting in that, sort of a false ceiling, and a wall that separated the two sections. And I was working with a crew in the, in the warehouse to dismantle some big shelving that they used to have. It was a storage place. And I was walking along the wall, the demising wall, that separates the warehouse from the office space. And you can imagine what started to happen. I lost my balance and fell through, crashing through the ceiling into someone's office. <laughs> and uh, was dangling there like a marionette from the phone lines that had been <laughs> draped across the ceiling. That poor person got a rude awakening that day. <laughs> Another time I was, uh, we were building a house and I was on the second floor above the garage. So we were going to, there was going to be like a bedroom or something above the garage. It wasn't constructed yet, but the uh, garage had been framed in. And I was uh, putting in blocking between the uh, ceiling joists, uh, the ceiling of the garage and then the floor of the what would be a bedroom, I was putting blocking in between those joists. And so I had a big, like, four-foot length of 2 by 12 Douglas fir, and I had it setting on, the, on top of the floor joist, and I would scoot that along, sitting on that while I was nailing in the blocking between those joists. And I got to the edge of the wall, and I didn't realize that the board I was sitting on, this four-foot a piece of board was probably three feet hanging off the edge. And I just lost, there's no excuse for it. Anyway, I stood up and I put my foot down. Now I'm, I'm, I'm in midair, really. And uh, so, <laughs> thankfully, there was a two by four that was on an angle, staked to the ground, holding up the, the wall, the, the framed wall, give it extra support. And I ended up sort of just surfing that down on that, on that piece of 2 by 12 and thus avoided terrible calamity. Another story, I was on a... <laughs> I could go all day. I seriously could. There's, there's, 
There's no end to these stories. Uh, but I was on a, a crew uh, getting ready to do some uh, remodel to an existing home, and so part of what we had to do was excavate part of their yard where there would be a new foundation for an extension of the house, right? And part of that excavation uncovered, it wasn't a surprise, but it uncovered a, the septic tank for the septic system, uh, that, and it was a live septic uh, system. Anyway, <laughs> it had a cement cover on the, on the septic tank, which is how that usually works. And we had called the guy to come and pump it out, you know, and I, I'll never forget that guy he shows up with this big truck and he goes, I'm here to pump your stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he hadn't shown up yet, and uh, so it was all just intact. And, and uh, I got it in my head for some reason that I was going to cross the property uh, in the shortest route possible, which meant over the septic tank. And so I just started to go, and when I stepped on the this concrete lid on a septic tank, it broke and gave way, and I went for a dive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They got a hose, and they started spraying me off, and my poor wife had to come and pick me up in the car. Oh, Lord. The reason I'm telling you this story, these stories is because in spite of all that, I was really attracted to these trades because... And uh, there is something s extremely satisfying about being able to finish a job. You know, when I'm in, in the role that I've had for so many years now as a pastor, that is something I never enjoy because myself included, people are never finished. And so it's just ongoing. But uh, maybe that's why I was uh, drawn to this. In fact, I know that's why I was drawn to the trade because when you, you don't leave a job site till you're finished. The job is finished, and then you leave, and you don't need to go back because the job is done. And then you can point to it and say, look what we did. We did that. We finished that. And I don't mean to trivialize the last three words of our Savior before he paid the, the ultimate price for my sin and yours. But when he cried out from the cross and said, it is finished, there was something of that finality to it. It's done. There's no revisiting, no callback, no going back. It's finished. It's done. It's complete. It's over. Look what we did for you. And I got to thinking as I was preparing to speak to you today this, over the last few weeks about that phrase, it is finished, that Jesus cried out from the cross. And I got to thinking, what did he mean? And I realized that I had sort of a fuzzy uh, understanding about what Jesus, Jesus was saying when he said that phrase, it is finished. Oh yes, I, I knew that, you know, that meant that the plan of salvation had been accomplished and, and that I could come to faith in Christ. I was counting on that. I could come to faith in Christ and have hope for eternity. I knew that God's eternal plans for the redemption of mankind were, were completed. I could, I could grasp it theologically, but I realized that I was not entirely clear on what he meant when he said, it is finished. And so I began to ask him about that. And I felt the Lord directing me to the passage I asked you to turn to a minute ago in Luke chapter 4. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, 
was visiting the, the uh, synagogue in his hometown, which was his practice, we're going to read, on the Sabbath. And a very normal occurrence took place where they asked him to read from the prophets. And as a member of the local synagogue, uh, it would be expected that eventually he's going to come around to your turn to give the reading. So he got up and he turned to, he took the scroll of Isaiah and turned to chapter 61 and he read from Isaiah 61 a prophecy that now Luke, the writer of the book that you have in front of you, re recorded. And in my paper Bible, my analog Bible, it's in red because Jesus was saying it. He was reading it. And I want you to follow along with me as we look at this scene. We drop into this scene in the synagogue in Nazareth. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, verse 16 says. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And now he quotes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I wonder if the people there that day began to know something they really didn't know. Yet. Their eyes were fixed on him. There was something about the way that he read these words that was, diff that was different than when uh, it's been read before in this synagogue. And their eyes were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He was talking about himself. He was reading words that had been penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before. And now in the presence of these humble people in the city of Nazareth in that local synagogue, he was saying, this is what I've come to do. This is my job. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has assigned me is another way to say that. And then he gives us the things that he came to do, which I believe Jesus was referring to on that final day of his, of his ministry prior to dying for my sins and yours when he said, it is finished. What he meant was, I did that. It's done. I finished every bit of it. Look what I've done. And I want to take just a few minutes that we have uh, this morning to talk about these six things that Jesus said he came to do and then on the cross said he had finished for us. The first was, he said, I have the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me or called me or uh, sent me. He has assigned me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now this is not just a reference to people who don't have a lot of money. It's, it's a reference to anybody who can't pay a debt. And let me tell you, that's every single one of us. Every single one of us sitting here has a debt we cannot pay. We have taken the 
the grand gift of, of all that God intended for us and squandered it, and we cannot repay it to the one for whom all things exist and by whom all things exist. We are the poor. And Jesus said, I came to declare good news to the poor. And what is the best news of all to someone who is in debt? The debt is paid. I've cleared the debt. Oh, you know, Sue and I, we, we, we were, uh, I, I think I told you about this last week. It's relatively recent in my memory anyway. Although my memory fails me from time to time. So who knows? And maybe, I was, maybe I was dreaming this. But it seems as though I said to you that Sue and I found ourselves in a pile of debt at one point in our married life, about 20 grand in unsecured debt. And I remember the day when that was paid off. Oh, <laughs> that is a feeling. And Jesus said, I've been assigned to proclaim to you the, the wiping away, the cleansing away, the paying off of your debt. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. What I've earned for my sin, my rebellion against God, is death, eternal separation from Him. I don't think I'd have to work very hard to convince you that that's probably true for, for each of us. But it goes on to say, The gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 5, 8 it says, But God demonstrated his, his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, even when I didn't give a rip for Jesus, even when I didn't care anything about him at all, he was paying my debt. See, we, we have such a hard time with this concept because we always feel, we live in a world where nothing is free. You've been told that. There is no free lunch, right? I, I've gotten to the age of my life where I am so cynical. I hate myself for this, but I am so cynical. I'm always thinking about, well, all right, where's the catch? Because most of the time there is. But there is no catch with God. He has paid your debt in full, dear one, and there is nothing you can add to that and nothing you can do to take away from that either. It is paid in full. He hung from the cross saying, it is finished. Colossians 2 verse 14 says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, it's as though... There was a big whiteboard like there is in the middle school classroom, which every Saturday night I go in there and, and have to <laughs> wipe off all of the messages that are... Anyway. It's like there's this whiteboard that somebody has written all of your sin on. And let me tell you, if somebody had recorded all my sin on a whiteboard, there, it would be black. It would be black. But it's as the, this, this scripture says, having wiped out... The handwriting. It's like what I do on Saturday night and go in there and clean off that whiteboard. It says he's, he's wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he, t he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. That's what it says. <clears throat> Paying the debt. Goes on to say, he has anointed me, he's called me, he's assigned me to heal the brokenhearted. Heal the brokenhearted. To me, that means restoring what sin has broken. 
And I use this little uh, uh, image here on the screen reluctantly because it looks as though the person who put this broken cup back together was just, you know, using spit and gum. And I, I don't mean to insinuate for a moment that the restoring, recovering work of God in your life is anything but absolute and complete. It's not as though we who were broken are now kind of just patched together. In fact, the better word from re for restoring here would probably be recreating because it's not even that God restores us to, to what we once were, but we are recreated in His image. Whatever's broken in your life, whatever isn't working, the reason for that is sin. Yours and the weight of sin that is on this planet because of the, all of our iniquity. But Jesus has come to restore, to rebuild, to recreate, to fix every damage that sin has caused. You've given up on some of the things that are broken in your life and you've just assumed, okay, well, this is just my life. This is what I'll live with forever now. You know, God doesn't see it that way. Jesus said, I have been sent to declare or to heal the broken. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. It is finished. The third thing that it says here, as he was quoting from Isaiah, it says that he's, I've been assigned to, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he assigned me to proclaim liberty to the captives. He has come, dear one, to unlock the shackles. Now, you know, my wife uh, is giving me a reprieve from dog ownership presently. <laughs> and I... I I, my sincerest desire is that that will go on forever. Not likely, uh, because she loves dogs. But I do remember when we had dogs that, you know, it would fall to me on occasion to have to walk those dogs, my least favorite thing in all the world. I mean, really, seriously, carrying around a bag of poop around the neighborhood, I mean, what is that? It's love, baby, love. It may be love, but it is not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Anyway, I remember thinking one day when I went to get the, the dog for the, to take her on the walk uh, that I, I took the leash and I snapped it to her collar. And I remember thinking about that sound, the click that leashed her to me. And it was like the Lord, I wasn't looking for it, it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, there's, most, people don't, most people don't hear that sound. But most people are leashed. The enemy has got worked his way in and around your life in such a way that he has got his hooks into you. And where he pulls, you go. It's no longer temptation because the choice, your choice is gone. It has become bondage. And bondage is another thing. Bondage is he pulls and you go. And that click often gets missed. Because we're so, he's very good at the, you know, misdirection. Oh, you know, never mind about what's going on over here. I'm, you know, just mind your own business and snap, it's there. 
And most of us, you know, I, you know, I have people come to me very often, find themselves reached a point of desperation in their lives to see some of these tendencies that that are destroying them and ruining their life dealt with and they don't know where else to go and I'm sort of their last resort so they come to me. And it's amazing how often they will use this word and it's not as though, I mean I don't coach them to say this word and I'm sure that, I'm, I'm quite certain that people don't get together in little huddles away from where I am and say I know when we go to see the pastor, this is what we'll say. I'm sure that probably doesn't happen. But what does happen with great frequency is when people come to see me, they will say, Pastor, I feel stuck. And that's that leash that's gotten attached to their life in various places. And they, don't, they no longer feel free. They feel bound. They don't know how to describe it. They don't know what to do about it because they have tried. By the time they reach me, they've tried everything there is to try. And one of the reasons why all of their attempts to unleash themselves fail is because most of us end up just dealing with the symptoms. We want to the, the, cut the leash off upstream. And that doesn't accomplish anything. When Jesus said it is finished, he wasn't talking about some sort of band-aid approach, some sort of you know, hocus pocus. He was saying, look, I have come to declare liberty to the captive. Mm -hmm. Liberty. Not coping mechanisms. Not some kind of ways to just sort of get along. I've come to declare liberty to the captives, which means I'm ready to take you right to the root where that thing is snapped to your collar. And I am able to set you free. And dear one, when you're ready for that, he's ready to meet you there because it is finished. It won't be easy. That's, that's tough stuff to let Jesus wade in and take you to that place that you keep wanting to pretend isn't there. But it's, he's ready when you are because it is finished goes on to say that he has assigned me, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's assigned me to uh, declare recovery of sight to the blind. He's come to lift the darkness. I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of times, plenty of seasons in my life when I felt as though I was groping in a dark place and I didn't know which end was up or down. I didn't know which way to go. Where I felt lost and confused... Jesus waded into this world of darkness to undo it. Jesus waded into this world and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And in 2 Peter it says, So we have the prophetic word, this Bible you hold in your hand or on your lap. We have this prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. So while you're still groping in your darkness, and many of you here this morning, I would venture to say, not because I know anything specific about you, just because of the size of the group, that there are a number of us here that are groping in darkness. I don't necessarily mean you're on your way to hell. I just mean you're lost. And... In 2 Peter, he says, we have this prophecy that's like a light shining into that dark place. Dear one, 
Watch for the candlelight. It's shining into your dark place today. And it says there that this, we have this light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Dear one, I want this to be that day. I hope you do too. And I know someone who also does and his name is Jesus because he said, I've come to do that. I've come to light their darkness. It is finished. Then he went on to say, I've come, I've been assigned, I'm under the, under the spirit of the Lord. I've been assigned to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And this kind of sounds similar to what we read a couple of uh, sentences ago, where it says, I've come to liberate the captives. Here it says, I've come to liberate the oppressed. And they're really two different things. And Luke, who was a physician and very methodically minded, very systematic in the way he approached things, he didn't add this just, for on a whim. This is important. It's essential. He meant what he said. He put it here as a distinct work of Jesus. Part of what Jesus was saying he finished on the cross was to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And that word oppressed literally translated would be crushed. Crushed. That's different than being snapped to a leash. That's different than having the enemy have his hooks in you and and uh, manipulating your life to that, the, but you know what it feels like to have life crushing in on you and crowding you into a smaller, smaller place where your life is very, very claustrophobic. One of the ways that you you might be able to think about this differently is you've all heard the phrase "the elephant in the room," right? How many of you have heard that? The thing that's crushing you, dear one, <laughs> the thing taking up all the oxygen in your life, the thing that just keeps bearing in on you and pressing you into a corner is the elephant in the room, the thing you don't want to acknowledge that everyone else can see. My wife periodically can point out the elephants in my, in my room when I'm not ready to hear it. But I'm glad she's there because the Lord wants to tear down those walls. Those things. I, I, look, I'm a Star Wars fan. I can't help it. I can't think about this without thinking of the trash compactor scene. <laughs> and, and Han Solo saying, we're all going to get a lot thinner as the walls are closing in on it. But we know what that feels like. And, and Jesus went to the cross. To deal a death blow to that. So that we could come out from under. Out from that, that tight, closed in, crushing effect of the elephant in the room. Finally, he said, I've been assigned to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that was a reference to the year of Jubilee. That's what the, Everybody that heard him say that that day, they knew what he was talking about. That's what Isaiah meant. Talking about the year of Jubilee. If you don't know, the year of Jubilee was the 50... As God was giving instructions to the people of Israel on their way from slavery in Egypt to their home in the promised land, he was giving them uh, instructions about how they, could, how they were to live in a way that was uh, honorable to him and, and would work, cause their lives to work best. And one of the things that he said to them was every 50 years everybody's debt is paid. All property returns to its original owner. Everything is reset. 
Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be, you just wake up one day, tear up the credit card bills, all the money that you have spent on your, on your mortgage over the last 50 years comes back into your account. Oh, man. Now, it's not really clear that the people of Israel ever really obeyed this command, but man, it's what the Lord intended. I mean, so I, I don't want to get off on Jubilee. That's another story. It's a great one, but it's not the one we're on today. But here's what Jesus was saying. He said, I've come to announce a new beginning. In Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5.17, you've heard this before. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... If anyone is in Christ, and today, if you are not in Christ, you can be. I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. So this could apply to every one of us, and I hope it will before the day's over. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things, behold, all things become new. Jesus, when he hung there on that tree, on that cross and before breathing his last said it is finished part of what he was saying is everything dear one that needs to be accomplished so that you can be a new creature so all the old things of your life can be passed away and everything become new is done it's finished oh what a what a mouthful what a mouthful and I, you know, it's, it's fine to, and, and a good thing to, on an Easter Sunday, re- rehearse the grand uh, s- spectrum of this glorious good news that we all delight in. But that won't be enough. That won't be enough. Because Jesus didn't, didn't say those words just so we could have a nice little theological discussion about what he meant. He said those words because he wants for you to experience it. He wants for you and me to experience it. He bled and suffered and died so that you and I could experience what he meant when he said, it is finished. I want to tell you before I let you go today, one more thing that's finished. One more thing that's done and complete is your search for the one who can do all that. And some of you have been looking for a long time. Don't look any farther. The Savior we worship today, he's the one who can do it all, who has made it possible for you to have your debt of sin paid, to have your brokenness restored, your shackles unleashed, your darkness turned to light. The walls that are closing in on you broken. And for you to have a new beginning. That's the one we worship today. His name is Jesus.